is he? He's greater than your trouble. He's greater than your circumstance. He's bigger than the big things in your life. He is great and greatly to be praised. I was thinking over there, I just turned over to Mike and I asked him, I was just like, if y'all could see how my mind worked, it'd scare you. I turned to Mike and I said, the second temple, was there a fire that fell from the altar, on the altar? He said, well, the tabernacle, yeah. And Solomon's temple, I said, the second temple, the second, after Babylonian captivity, he said, I don't think so. He said, oh yeah. So he said, he said, oh yeah on the day of Pentecost. Now, now many of you are like, I don't know what she even said there. I think they want my microphone turned up. I, some of you don't even know what I even said there. So, see, when the fire fell, they built a tabernacle first, right? And how did the fire get there? Heaven. No man kindled it on earth. Nobody came along with a big lighter. How many know how hard it is to start a fire sometimes? I mean, it ought to burn. I mean, they're always saying, be careful, don't play with fire, you might get burned. I'm like, how? It's sometimes hard to start a fire. No one did that. They put the sacrifice on the altar, and where'd the fire come from? It was a fire kindled from heaven. Isn't that kind of cool that God has access to fire? I don't know. I don't know. Just something about that just sort of, you know messes with my my mind and then that was the tabernacle and then they built a temple it's called solomon's temple right and then they they set the sacrifice on the altar and where did fire come from <laughs> same method it's like when something happens once it can be called a phenomenon something happens twice it's a pattern i love god he is so awesome. I don't know where he got the fire. I don't know what, how this happened. Heavenly, just imagine that. Fire from heaven. And then they go into Babylonian captivity. Babylon comes in, and what do they do to the temple? Gone. All the gold, stripped it, took all the good stuff, gone to Babylon. Everything, Babylon, gone. Nothing. 70 years later, they come out of captivity. They build, they start, they, they lay a foundation. And they're like, woo, God's good, we got a foundation. There's a lot of hard work, we thought. How many have ever ran into that little obstacle? You started something, you got all excited, and it was like, woo, and then it got harder. You thought it wasn't gonna be any opposition, and then opposition showed up, and you're like, let's go do something that's not so opposing. But then a prophet by the name of Haggai shows up. He says, I just got a word from the Lord. I see a glory. Of a, he stood up on, it's like the prophets did this. They stood up on a mountaintop. They were called seers. I see something. They said, here's the prophets. Prophets usually saw from mountaintop to mountaintop. And so when you're seeing, reading a prophet, you're reading from mountaintop to mountaintop. So the Haggai, the prophet says, thus saith God, you ain't seen nothing yet. There's a glory coming. I see a glory, a fire coming. And the glory of the latter house. The, the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former. And they're like, oh no, some of them are bawling because they got they like what they're doing. Others are bawling because they say, we saw Solomon's temple. We don't sing hymns no more. You know, you have it all the time in the room. Some people crying about the past because it used to be better. Other people's crying because they're like, this is good now. And you got the prophet going, you ain't seen nothing yet. And then 
fast forward, I don't know, about 450 years or so, and you get to a place in Jerusalem in an upper room, and finally the fulfillment of the promise comes about. They were gathered together, about 120, to receive the promise that Jesus gave them because when he was on earth, he said, I got a dream. What's your dream, Jesus? I want to start a fire. There's a temple project that I just haven't got to get done yet. And I just, this is what he said. This is, and you can look it up. There's a fire I want to start. And I am just so, just enthused about it. And I can't wait to get there. And they were gathered together, 120, to receive the power that God had promised from on high. And when the day came, a sound came from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. And cloven tongues of... Set on each one of those stinking little temples... Not stinking, I just said that. Just So the glory of the latter house was a whole lot better than how many of you can do math? How many of you can do easy math like me? Addition, subtraction, multiplication, division. Done. I stop at fractions. You know what I'm saying? So how many of you can do math with me? Is one temple in one geographic location better than thousands and thousands and thousands of temples? What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Is it not better to have a multitude of fireplaces, as it were? Is it not better to have a whole bunch of people with fire from where? Where's the fire from? Heaven. I am just believing for a day, and I don't quite see it yet. I'm going to speak from a prophetic point of view. I don't know how deep the valley is, and I'm like, Lord, please don't let it be a long one, okay? Because I don't want it to be a long one. We don't have time for that, do we? I want to see a day where the houses of God have glory setting on their heads where a fire has been kindled because I'm telling you folks you are a fireplace and if the fire is not in the house then you're just half done because we've got to have the Spirit of God baptizing his church with fire we've got to have the glory of God in the house of God again and if this conversation bugs you take it up there are lots of places who don't believe like this I love you here I love you I believe the Lord has the best for you but if you don't believe you're made to burn 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 then you're in the wrong joint cuz we're gonna burn here and I want to see some people who want to burn like me. I want the fire of God kindled because the answer to this world is not more world's answers. The answer to this world is not more worldly fire. The answer to this world is fire from on high. Come Holy Spirit and illuminate your children again. We invite you into this house, Lord God. May you call Calls us to burn. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord just one more hand clap of praise. God bless each and every one. And Father, we love you and we magnify your name. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. You can be seated today if you're able. Thank you so much for being here in the Lord's house today. Haven't you enjoyed the presence of the Spirit? Now, a plug for Wednesday night and a plug for life class. We're going to save the offering, guys, to the very end. Wednesday night, the Lord gave me a message. The reframing, just a little bit different than just meditation, called it self-talk. Self-talk. What is that? That's the dialogue and the conversation that goes on in your mind all the time. We need to take that, we need to stop self-sabotaging by believing it's all about us and no more and we can't make it without God and God's against us and all this kind of stuff. And we need to start reframing that from self-talk to spirit talk. Now the reason I bring this up is because the fire rested upon where? Their head. Let me tell you, the enemy cannot stop the church, but he can certainly persuade the church from advancing. How does he do that? He allows those thoughts to enter into your mind. We need the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, I didn't come to preach, but that's just a little plug, okay? Now, I don't want to take any of you out of your life class. If you're attending your life class, you stay in your life class. But we, through the pandemic and everything, what we have been able to do is record each of the life classes. And this morning, Andrew gave probably one of the clearest, best presentations of the gospel message that I have heard, and you need to hear it. You need to hear it. It'll be uploaded. It'll be uploaded before noon tomorrow. Go back and listen to that. There's lots of great teachers that we have in this house, and you need to avail yourself to what God is saying right now because this is the information we need for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Amen? I know some of you said, no, I, no, 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 I'm not here to work, I'm here to set. No, you're not. You're here to work. And we're going to show you and help you. Praise God. Now, with no further ado, I want to I introduce our speaker today. We have privilege to have with us today Deidre uh, Shilladay. She is our Assembly of God missionary to Africa, and uh, she has an apostolic ministry. She is out equipping leaders and teachers to the furtherance of the kingdom of God, partnering with many missionaries throughout the country of Africa. But she also is in partnership with Harvest of Hope Africa, and they have a school where they have 500 students that they house and they feed and educate. And we are privileged to have her with us today, and she's gonna share, I think she's already made some, has some recruits, some folks in here already have signed up to go to Kenya in June. And so um, she's going to come, and we're going to bless us with her ministry. Would you welcome today, uh, Deidre? Uh, she comes and just ministers to you this hour. Thank you. I'm thinking I might need a music stand instead. <laughs> Short people problems. I think I'm going to do the music stand instead. Or stand on my tippy toes. Oh, and he gets the tallest one we have. Okay. Thank you, sir. I actually travel with one because, yeah, pulpits are tall, you know? Yeah, yeah, lecterns or whatever you want to call them. Well, I am so glad to be at Crossroads today. I am grateful for Crossroads. When my friend Terry um, presented our ministry on a Wednesday night, you guys were so, so generous. And that um, just blessed my heart. And it all went directly to the high school, as he said. We rescue orphans in Kenya, specifically in um, Busia, Kenya. And then we educate them because we believe Jesus first plus education equals transformation. And I was just listening to a podcast the other day, and um, it was talking about comparing, it was comparing Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass, and how they came from nothing and had, they just hungered for education, and hungered for education, and that transformed their lives. I mean, there's statues of Frederick Douglass in Germany and in um, London. I mean, his life 
was amazing. God used him at the same time he was using Abraham Lincoln, and that's because they both knew Jesus, and they both pursued education at any cost, and it transformed our nation. It transformed America, and that's part of my message today. God does not save nations, but God saves people, and that's what transforms nations. Amen? Amen. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself here, so let me get started. Um, let me just pray real quick. Father God, I come before you, and I thank you, Lord. I thank you for this opportunity to be your empty vessel, Father God. Pour into me and pour out of me, because the fire, your fire, is in me, God. I thank you for your salvation. I thank you for your empowerment through the Holy Spirit. And I praise your holy name. More of you, Jesus, and less of me. Amen. Amen. Well, I am so looking forward to today. I am so looking forward to today. And I'm going to take a liberty, and I'm going to ask for forgiveness ahead of time, because when we were worshiping, I was overcome with the presence of the Lord. And this is a little heavy, but the Lord spoke to me, and I don't usually do this, but gave me, he said, someone here is dealing with suicidal ideations. And he said to tell you, before you were born, I set you apart. I have a purpose and a plan for your life. And as Pastor Mike said, the enemy comes into our minds. And I urge you, I urge you first to go find someone. Be, have someone that you can talk to, that you trust. Go to Jesus first, but have wise counsel. And take captive those thoughts of the enemy and un put them under submission of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Luke is the only one that tells this story. You know it well. It's when the expert in the law comes to Jesus and says, What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus gives a textbook answer. He says, do what the law says. Or as we would say, obey the word. Obey the word. And in an attempt to save face, the lawyer, what's he do? He answers Jesus' question with a question. Don't you love it when people do that? They know they're busted. And so to save face, they kind of answer your, their question, your question with a question. And Jesus responds by giving a parable. He responds by giving a parable. And so we're going to start right there. This is the response to the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? We're going to start Luke chapter 10, verse 30. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jesus calls the man, the wounded man, a traveler, a representative of every, a representative of all humankind, everyone. The traveler is alone. Salvation is personal. Romans, right? Romans tells us that. 10:13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And as I said, nations are not saved. We are saved, and God uses us to transform nations. There will only be one kingdom in eternity. There will only be one government, and there is only one government, right? We know that. That's, our, that's the eternal, the heavenly government. It's the individual's name that is written in the... I'm not sure where that slide is. Do you see that slide? The wounded man? Oh, I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, it's, it's an orange slide. going I think you're out of order that's okay though there you go thank you so much tech team it's the individual thing that's written in the book of life we will stand alone on judgment day we are all travelers coming from different points of origin but we will all have only two final destinations heaven or hell that's why we must help people recognize the work of God in them. 
We see it daily on the news. Uh, Muslim young men willing to join militant groups because they have nothing and they want something. They want their next meal. They want um, a sense of belonging. And so then we, we want to help them recognize there is more. There's more than the circumstance of life because Jesus and the eternal life, we want them to see that. Discovering that God is God, man is man, and God is God. And without God, we would not be. Man would not be. Jesus also told us the road is isolated. The road which winds its way down from Jerusalem to Jericho drops 3,300 feet in 17 miles, and it passes through lonely, desolate terrain. It's ideal bandit country. And that's what our wounds make us feel like. They isolate us, right? No one has ever experienced grief like this before. No one has ever experienced sickness like this before. Our wounds make us feel isolated. That is one of Satan's greatest tactics. Because if he can isolate us, oh, no one will ever know you're missing from service. What happens is it's a dual weapon because not only does it hurt you, it hurts the body of Christ. It hurts the body of Christ. I haven't seen it before, but there's this show called The Locator. And the premise of the show is that um, this guy helps people locate the missing pieces of their life, like a birth parent that's looking for their a child they gave up for adoption, or, you know, a fatherless child looking for a parent, and so, or a twin, right? You see those things on TV. And from a world's perspective, that makes sense. Like, oh, I can't move on till I have all the pieces of this puzzle together. I don't know about you, but during co this COVID season, my family has done a ton of puzzles ton of puzzles. I haven't had a kitchen table for two years, right? It feels like a year and a half. And so um, it's frustrating when you do a whole puzzle and one piece is missing. You can see the picture, but it's still not complete. And so it makes sense. But and I'm here to tell you in your life, if you have a missing puzzle piece, you can still be complete. I was born out of wedlock. And I, the person that I, so that's a missing puzzle piece, right? Who is this guy? I don't know him, you know? And the person that my mom said was my father wasn't. How do I know? I had to take a paternity test when I was 13. He wasn't the guy. So that adds another layer, right? A missing puzzle piece. But I am not incomplete. Because what we do is we give all the pieces that we have to Jesus, and then he fills in the gap, and he makes us complete. He completes us. He makes us whole. He is what we, anything that we need. He is a father to the fatherless. He is a spouse to the betrayed. He is what we need. As Pastor Mike said at the beginning, I have the answer for you today. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. So we're going to continue with verse 30. Verse 30, um, it says, when he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Jesus tells us that he fell, and this is the story of humankind. It was everyone, and now it is everywhere. The origin of the fall, right? We know where it started, in the Garden of Eden, the place of disobedience to our Heavenly Father. But it is everywhere. What did he say to Adam and Eve? And he repeats it to Abraham and Noah and so on. Go and reproduce after your own kind. Multiply and fill the earth. Well, guess what? It's obvious that we're still following that command, right? We're all here. But when we follow that command, we also do what? reproduce sin because of our our earthly father Adam we all fall short of the glory of God we all fall short the nature of the fallen there's a usually an increase in perversion of sin if we don't find Jesus 
if we don't find the answer. We see this. It used to be that human trafficking and sex trafficking was only in the brothels of India. But now what? It's not there anymore. There's an increase. It's in your state. It's in your city. It is everywhere. It is everywhere. As I walked through the airport, I saw that January is the month of awareness for that, actually. Could you imagine that that would have ever been something you would have experienced in your lifetime? Especially of those of us that are a little silver on, our, on top, right? We, what? In America? Yeah, so there is an increase in perversion unless Jesus, unless Jesus. Because all people are a product of other people and what they have done. So we must stop avoiding our ministry to the fallen because they have gone to depths that we can't even imagine. We must stop that. We have the answer. We can't judge them for their inherited religion, their inherited values, or, what, or the culture that they live in. But for the grace of God, there go I. We are blessed to have been born in America. We are blessed. And so we can't understand other people, but that shouldn't prevent us from going and sharing Jesus with them. The traveler was left half dead. That's like a sinner whose spiritual life is dead. But if the physical life is alive, guess what? There is hope. Amen. Amen. There is hope for your coworker. There is hope for your neighbor. There is hope for that refugee. There is hope for that militant. There is hope. And that leads us to the mission of man. Verse 31. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But, it's always a transition word, right? A Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. His enemy, right, Jews and Samaritans, his enemy took pity on him. They had different values. They kind of had different religions, right? They had different families and maybe even a different color of skin, and he took pity on him. Jesus reveals the response of a neighbor, and this is the mission of humankind. Every way. Everyone, everywhere, every way. So picture yourself, your enemy. We all got someone we don't like, right? Whether, you know, Jesus doesn't say we have to like everybody. He tells us we have to love them, okay? There's just some people that rub you the wrong way. You know what I'm talking about, and if not, you're sinning because you're lying right now. So picture that person in your mind. You have two responses to them. You can show them pity or you can show them pride. Pity or pride. Pity has sort of taken on a negative connotation in our society. Um, it, it just doesn't, you know, we don't use, when we see hear the word pity, it doesn't sound right. But actually pity the real meaning of it means a sympathetic sorrow for one suffering. It comes from the Greek word eleo, and it means to have mercy on. I just said that wrong. Eleo, sorry. Eleo. It means to have mercy on, to bring help, to show compassion. Pride leads to avoidance because when we have pride, we justify not loving someone. It's easy to justify, but pity leads to advancement. It promotes them. It supports them. It encourages them. So you have a choice, pride or pity. Sorry, I'm old school. I still do paper. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring in the oil and the wine. Who remembers that song? I can't sing. Oh, only one piece in person? Yeah, I love that song. 
Yeah, I love that song. I'm tempted to sing, but I'm not going to. So he poured in the oil and the wine, the kind that restores my soul. Okay, yeah. So he, pour, he pours out of himself, and he acts. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to pour out and act. Caveat, as the Spirit leads us. As the Spirit leads us. There was a little time early in our marriage, and... He's not here. When my husband's with me, it's off limits. I'm not allowed to tell stories. But he's not in Texas. He's in Ohio. So, okay. So there was this time, probably 20 years ago, um, someone had a need for these specialty shoes. It, it, she, I was a children's pastor in Bellevue, Nebraska. And um, one of my volunteers, and they were quite, you know, they were out of her budget. And so he was like, well, just buy them. And I was like, well, we need to pray about it. He's like, they're shoes. And I'm like, no, just because it's a need, we just need to pray about it. And really, we, at that time, we were going to steal a blessing from someone else. So when God leads you, you're supposed to pour out yourself, and you're supposed to act. But do it as the Spirit leads you, okay? C.T. Studd said, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Grace is the Bible's word for strength, strength that allows you to, to continue loving in the face of rejection, loving in the face of unworthiness, loving in the face of unloveliness. I've seen a lot of unloveliness, and grace is the only thing that helped me to love in the face of that. It's hard, because I'm human, but grace, because grace is strength. We don't think about that all the time, but grace is strength. It's God's way to help us to be, to love when we've been hurt, to love when we've been, um, and to keep forgiving people, to be rejected, right? We get rejected, but we still have hope. That's what grace is, seeing the potential in somebody beyond and behind and below the crusty surface of what's on the outside. Grace allows you to see that. And another thing, because it's strength, grace is authority. We don't think of that often, but grace is authority because it breaks down boundaries. It breaks down boundaries between languages and countries, between the educated and the illiterate, right? Because between the rich and the poor. Grace breaks down those barriers. Next slide. Every face, every human face is the face of a neighbor. And that's what Jesus calls us to. Then he put the man on his donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. Put yourself, put others before yourself, and walk in faith. Did you know it was 16 miles to the inn? And he lifted his enemy, who was no longer his enemy, it was his neighbor, right? He put him on the donkey, and he walked that 16 miles to the end. Because a true friend, a true neighbor, will set aside his or her own agenda and stop to help the fellow traveler. We have become so self-focused. I feel like he just set me up. He was talking about that too. We become so self-focused that we often overlook our purpose. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, a Christ follower, a little Christ, as they said in the, in the New Testament, then our, your purpose is one thing only, to give your life for others, just like Jesus did. Just like Jesus did. Because have we forgotten that no other God can save us but a suffering servant? Henry Nouwen, the famous Catholic um, priest and writer, said, Suffering is the gift of God that no one wants. Right? Suffering is the gift of God no one wants because it is a gift. Think of the times that you have suffered. It's been the most transforming time in your life. In your, yeah. And so that's why um, during the week between the last, uh, 
you know, Jesus comes in and it's the Holy Week, right? And between the Last Supper and Christ's death is called the Passion, the Passion Week. Why? Passion comes from the word suffering. It's a synonym for the word we already had, pity. They come from the same group, Greek origin. It's a synonym. And when we add calm, the prefix calm, to passion, calm means to unite, to gather together. So you get compassion. We unite with the suffering of God. That's what compassion means. You are to show compassion. And when you show compassion, you're, you're uniting with Jesus to help with the suffering of a neighbor, of a wounded man. Sorry, I geeked out on you there for a minute. So the next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Provide for the needs of others and step out in faith. Perhaps that's all the money the Samaritan had. Maybe that's why he gave the two coins and said, oh, this is all I have. And he gave it. He gave all, perhaps all that he had. Love means acting for the person's needs. It's not about power and control. It's about powerlessness and humility. Mark 6, 8 tells us that. Jim Elliott, the famous missionary, right? We know the story. The famous missionary to the Aka Indians in 1956 when he was martyred, he said this. He said, he is no fool that gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. That has, that has carried me, one of my mentors, if you will, that I don't know. Such a great quote. And I don't want to be a fool. It's all God's anyways, right? Everything that I have and everything I am is because of Jesus, and it is Jesus's. So no matter what you have here on earth, no matter what you enjoy here on earth, it does not compare to what is in eternity. No comparison. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Promise to pay the price and return. Keep your commitments. You're a Christian. Keep your commitments. It shows the love. It shows the truth of Christ, right? To unbelievers especially, keep your commitments. Whether they're to your neighbors or to people overseas, keep giving. Keep praying for that unbeliever. No man can stay alive when nobody is waiting for him. When you come back from a trip and someone's waiting at the airport or waiting wherever the bus station, you are longing to tell them the stories of your trip, whether good or bad. You're longing to have them there waiting for you, right? There's, that, there's a thing because nobody can stay alive if someone is not waiting for them, giving them hope because there's no reason to live if there's nobody to live for. And that's what a lot of people overseas feel like. They are desperate. They have no hope. They need someone to say, I will not let you go. I will be here tomorrow and the next day, and I will not disappoint you. I love you because Jesus loves you. And then tomorrow isn't a dark, endless tunnel to them anymore. Remember how you felt before Jesus? Sometimes we forget that, right? If we've been a Christian a long time. We need to be flesh and blood, Jesus, to our neighbors. And we'll say to them, life, this life, because of that life in eternity, is giving you one more chance. One eye movement, one handshake can replace years of friendship, right? especially when someone is hopeless. It only, you know, love only, love not only lasts forever, it only takes a second to smile at someone, to give them a handshake, to say, I love you. I love you. We're different. I don't understand you, but I'm going to walk alongside you 
because of Jesus' love inside of me, because of that fire in my temple, right? I'm going to love you, and grace is going to sustain me, and grace is going to help me because it breaks chains and it is my strength. The famous missionary David Livingston said, he, you know, everybody know David Livingston, right? Dr. Livingston, I presume, right? That's what Stanley said. And he said, sympathy is no substitute for action. Sympathy is no substitute for action. And that's the mission of missions. We have been chosen, God has chosen each and every one of us to take our own limited and conditional, ooh, I'm conditional. Ethan went on a missions trip with me. He saw I'm a conditional human being. I have my quirks, I have my issues, right? Especially when it's 100 degrees. And I have personal summers, right? Everybody know what that means? I'm 50 years old, okay? 51 years old, right? It gets a little crazy. I can get a little crazy. So I, but God chooses to use me. Hallelujah. He, he says, I'm going to give you my very unconditional and unlimited resources because I have chosen you for this purpose. And Jesus didn't commission us with a caveat that when you've been a Christian for this many years, or when you have earned this amount of money, then do this. That's not what the Word of God tells us. His idea of maturity is the ability and the willingness to go where you do not want to go and give what you do not want to give, right? That's his idea of maturity. The world tells us that we move forward by going upward, but the Word of God tells us we move forward by going downward by the way of the cross. Grace you have received, my friends, and that is what you are expected to give. Missions is being a friend to the wounded heart, everyone. They have fallen just like we have, but we have the answer, and we will go everywhere and give them that answer in every way so keep giving keep your commitments be open to the spirit's call to go where he's you don't want to go to give what you don't want to give right and always to keep praying for those who are going amen amen it's a pleasure to be here thank you so much thank you so much pastor Now, before, before you go, we're going we're gonna to take up an offering to bless uh, Deidre and her ministry. Uh, tell us a little bit about the school and where the greatest needs are right now. The greatest need, there's so many needs, you know, we have a couple schools, we have a couple orphanages, we have a medical clinic, um, and we have, our, our greatest need is the secondary school, as you mentioned. Um, the, we call them squatty potties. Okay, so the squatty potties on the girls' side, so it houses 500 um, boys and girls. It's our secondary school, and they the, they fell in, and then we were repairing them, and it was the rainy season, and that was destroyed. So right now we have over 300 girls, and we do not have any shower <coughs> excuse me any showers for them. So that is our greatest need. And in June, Larry's going with me. Woo woo. Um, Larry's going with me, and we are going to um, be working on that, that whole plumbing system. And so getting the materials for that, and um, yeah, that's our greatest need. And then our medical clinic is probably our second greatest need. We need to um, get windows in there, an intake desk. Um, someone had donated $14,000, um, some Mennonites, as a matter of fact. I live in Amish country, so yeah, if you ever want to see Amish country, you can come to Ohio and come to my house and look out my, my kitchen window and you'll see kids playing um, at their little school, one-room schoolhouse, um, but Mennonites gave $14,000 so we could build that medical clinic, and it just needs a couple things to get it complete so we're authorized by the government. Come on, let's give her a, some appreciation today. Amen. Now I'm going to go back. I just I just felt uh, prompted the Lord. We're gonna we're gonna take up the offering and we're gonna dismiss today. But for the one that 
was in this room this morning that Deidre was speaking to. I have found that a person who entertains thoughts of suicide, they don't necessarily want to die. They just are tired of the life that they're living. And a person who reaches suicide, the enemy tries to convince you that the people around you don't care. From a person who is a survivor of suicide, what I mean by that, when my father was, when I was 14 years of age, he killed himself. Well, my dad was my hero. And I was so bitterly angry at him because he couldn't see how much he meant to me. Let's see, the enemy's trying to convince you that that's not the truth, that there's nobody that cares for you. And I'm ventured to guess that if you're entertaining those thoughts, you're at the very lowest point in your life. But you know what? If you'll reach out and take the hands of Jesus, this will be the lowest point of your life. And you've got nothing to lose at this point. There's only one direction, and that's up, straight up. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is a liberty, you lying, foul, destructive spirit of suicide. You are broken off of this life, and there is liberty that is coming. They're stepping out of this prison right now, and they're going to walk in a newness of thought and life and hope. Now, those of you that are here right now, I'm not looking, I'm going to call you out. I'm just saying to you right now, just reach up and just say, Lord, I surrender. I surrender. I give it to you. doesn't matter how old or how young you are. Lord, I surrender to you today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have you enjoyed today? Praise God. A couple of quick announcements. We're going to take the offering and dismiss you today. If you are interested in any capacity of the ESL ministry, uh, whether it's just to be a, a help or you're just interested in more information and you would like to participate in this beautiful ministry that we have here, I want to encourage you to be out tomorrow night at 6 p.m. over in room 300 in the FLC. Uh, meet Liz over there. She's going she's gonna to tell you how you can get involved. No experience necessary, which means you don't have to speak another language to be involved in ESL ministry. Also, next Saturday... Uh, we will be having our men's prayer breakfast. That'll be in place of our regular Saturday morning prayer. So men, come on out. I've already heard the menu. I think there's some sausage gravy and biscuits, homemade, that's going to be here. I don't know if they're homemade, but they're going to be good, all right? Also, if you're interested in getting involved at Crossroads and you want to know how do I get involved in Crossroads, we're going to be offering the on-ramp, and, and I want to encourage all of our ministry leaders, if you've not gone through on-ramp, I want you to be in, this, in here because as we bring people to you, you need to know who we're bringing to you and what we're telling them, okay? All right? Maybe not. So on-ramp, I want to encourage you, be a part. If you want to be more interested in, or, or find out more about Crossroads, how to get involved, come to on-ramp. That's going to be February the 6th from 3 to 5. Also, the girls' ministry is going to be, um, they are starting their strawberry orders today. And so if you would like to uh, get some strawberries for your honey for Valentine's Day, now's the day of time to make the order. Also, revival is coming up. A revival service in February. Let me encourage you. You will be blessed, and you want to bring people to the to the meetings with Dean Love. He is a he is a dramatic, a wonderful man of God. I befriended him over the summer as we were sharing meetings, and just I'm telling you, you're going to be blessed beyond measure. So I want you to encourage right now. Begin to pray. Begin to fast. Begin to call out on God uh, for that neighbor that needs to hear the word. You've, we're giving you the means by which you can connect them to God. That's going to be in February. Right now, we're going to be taking the offering. You heard the needs of the school in Kenya. And so I want to ask our gentlemen to make their way down. We're going to ask the Lord's blessing over this offering today. And we're going to believe God. Everything that is designated to, you can put Deidre, you can put Kenya, uh, you can put school, and we'll know where that goes. You can give online through text to give. Go to our website if you want to give there and just designate there. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we love you. We magnify your holy name. You are worthy of all praise and honor and glory. Lord, we thank you 
for the privilege of being a part of this last day church. We thank you for the privilege of living in this time that you have chosen for us to be the light in this darkened world. And I pray your blessing upon the offering today. And Lord, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you as you give today. Praise the Lord. Well, my musicians didn't follow me up here, so I guess I need to sing a song. No, I'll do that when I get ready to get you out of here. So I do want to say welcome to all of our guests today. If you are not currently on our mailing list and you would like to uh, have more information about the church and be included in our email uh, announcements and get to uh, uh, know what's going on, will you take just a minute to fill out the Connect card uh, that you'll find in front of you? And we have a gift for you at the back. I'm going to ask Pastor Angel, would you come and just dismiss us today in a word of prayer? Be sure to stop by the table out back and, and uh, let Deidre know that you're going to be praying for her and how much you appreciate her ministry today. Amen. Praise God. If you speak Spanish or understand Spanish, come to our meeting Thursday, 7 p.m., from 7 to 8.30. If you speak Spanish, understand Spanish, for you are Hispanic. We're going to have our first meeting this year, this Thursday. How many understood? How many understood what I said? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. If you not speak Spanish, if you don't understand Spanish, you feel welcome to come and help us, you know, at the kitchen. making some coffee, prepare water, you know. I'm going to be preaching in Spanish only. But we're going to be ministering, praying for people. That's going to be bilingual. So, something for you too. Todos los hispanos, por favor, todo aquel que habla español, entiende español, venga el jueves. Vamos a tener la primera reunión en español este año en el FLC. We're going to pray. Thank you, Lord, for this hour. Thank you, Lord, for this moment. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise and glory. Thank you, Lord, for this service. Thank you, Lord, for everything that you're doing in Kenya. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father God, for everything. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. God bless everyone. Praise God.